Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we discuss the difference between 2D Mario and 3D Mario. One of them is in 3D. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with ya. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the success of Metroid Dread and what Nintendo has been doing about Joy-Con Drift. And then on Thursday, we are renewing our Cartridge Society certification by ranking all of the Nintendo carts and discs. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going so good. So happy to be here, Patrick. You know, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we were talking about how we messed with, like, the, um, by not allowing any sort of tracking and constantly, yeah. you know, telling Instagram that we don't like that ad. Oh, yes, We've yes, kind of, yes. like, messed up the algorithm and so yes. we get, like, the craziest ads. Um, I, the algorithm has bit back a little bit. Oh, no. All I get now, uh-huh. right, I used to be getting, like, used appliances and, like, Wabash now it's just purely dudes in suits, yeah, staring out like standing by the ocean or on a roof bar, top bar somewhere, yeah, staring staring off into the middle distance, and it's just like quotes like those are the ads you're getting. <laughs> those are the ads with like quotes that are like um like uh, the hustle is real, doing it for dirt and stuff like that. And then you like look at, <laughs> then you look at the, then you look at, the, uh-huh. then you look at like what they're advertising. It's like they have like two hundred ninety-two followers, and it's like life coach. Oh boy! And like graphs going up with like links to you know whatever uh, Amazon drop shipping yeah, yeah, thing yeah. that they're doing. Well, um, so I don't know. Mine's all mine's still all underwear. <laughs> Uh, Mark, speaking of underwear, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? There, It comes with no underwear. D- don't get it. Don't get confused. There's no underwear involved in this. You could borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. All you got to do is email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can I can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want you, or not. Right? Like, you can do whatever you want with it. What you do yes. with the, this copy of Sonic Forces... That's between you and your God. It's entirely up to you. Yeah. The important yeah. part is that it makes its way back to Patrick. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, uh, uh, there may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in my copy of Sonic Forces. Uh, you will have to either play that or not play that or do whatever you want with it for as long as you want before sending it back. I pay for postage both ways. It is the perfect borrowing program. I <laughs> uh, just got people walking by the uh, studio here. Um, so, get on that list. The other thing you can do is you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um it helps people find the show. Patrick and like I Like these people it. that just walked by. That's right. They, they heard a review and they just <laughs> walked by. They appreciate it. Or we appreciate it so much. They appreciate it so much too. Uh, the I feel dude smiled at me. He I feel smiled at me. He didn't wave necessarily, but there was like a gesture. Well, that's because he knew that we were recording. That's right. And that's like, right. He didn't want to be too distracting. He was just loving the Nintendo Cartridge Society like Unicorn Diamond Crystal. Thank you so much, Unicorn Diamond Crystal, for leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. A reminder, if 
you leave us a, po- a review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store. We'll give you a shout-out, just like we did Unicorn Diamond Crystal. If you leave us a review anywhere else, or you favorite us, or you share it, or you walk by our studio and give us a thumbs up. Right. Um, we may not notice, except for the walking by the studio. Exactly. And us a thumbs so, up, yeah, uh, feel free to send us an email, hit us up on Twitter. We would love to give you a shout-out on the show. Um, all right, Mark, this is all good. That I, I feel weird we don't have a... Uh, like a thing that we're building towards or like another another ask of the audience. We're right. going to have to come up with another one. Yeah. Um, but not right now. Right now we're getting into what we've been playing this week. Mark, tell me about what it's like to be back in Animal Crossing. How's that going? So it is going slowly. Yeah. Um, As it was before. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Uh, I'm in there every couple of days for a little bit, you know, trying to limit it to like an hour max. Um, but slowly making progress. Have like a legit museum now. Great. So not just mm-hmm. uh, blathers in a tent. I have a legit store. Uh, Timmy and Tommy have their store set up. I'm going for a totally um, kind of like different layout uh, than I did previously. So my my first island, th- there was no real thought into how I organized stuff. And yeah. so it didn't make my day like very efficient. When I needed to like, when I got into the game, yeah, it was not like very efficient for me to do the, you know, like daily activities to gather the stuff, to go to the fruit orchard and get the fruit, yeah. visit the store, like all that kind of stuff because it was all scattered around. So now I'm trying to I'm trying to be very deliberate sure. in where I place things to make it like very specific where it's like, okay, this is this is gonna be downtown. This is where all the commerce is gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is where the museum is because I wanna get all of that in like one location. Right. This is where all my people are gonna be right now. This is where like all my flowers are gonna be. This is where all my trees are gonna be. Yeah. And so it's not very natural looking. But it is. But that's okay. I'm try- it, it's, it's, You're terraforming I'm tr- this island. <laughs> I'm trying to be very yeah. deliberate in my choices. I am enjoying it. I I I have. I'm feeling this like tension where um I'm I just don't have the time to put into it like I did before, and so it is taking me a very long time to do things. Yeah. But I feel this like uh, uh but also part of me is like, well, I'm playing this so I can get to the new stuff. In order to get to the new stuff, I have to go fast. And so the, like, little things, like, just how long it takes to, you know, like, take an item out or you, I have to put my shovel away before I walk into the house. Like, that sort of stuff is, like, eating away at me. And I'm like, this is all the wrong way to be playing this game Yeah, is to feel that pressure. So even though I'm going slow, I'm actually, like, I'm not – it's not a leisurely pace. It's, like, I'm annoyed at the lack of progress I'm making. So I don't really know what to do at this point. Like, I'm not – I'm not having fun necessarily. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I don't – I'm trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Um. I, I have – I continue to not play too much of it, Um. but uh, Sarah has gone, like, all the way down the rabbit hole Um. and has been playing a, a ton of Happy Home Paradise. And so I've been in the room for a lot of her designing stuff uh, for these other animals. And I got to say, one of the things that's very, like, intriguing about um, Happy Home Paradise is that it does give you, like, the opportunity to start a new thing in the game, right? And start, like, a new thing with, like, new animal villagers that uh like vacation on the archipelago um and like you sort of amass that like same and it's not it's not exactly the same because you don't have like um the social relationships with them that you do in like vanilla animal crossing but like 
in some ways you do get to just like start over and like build a new society. Right. Um, and like the, uh, watching her as she's like gotten good, like really good with the design elements. Um, it it seems like it's super fun to like make these you know and like start with the the simplest prompts like we did on Thursday, um and just like really building out these like either very cool very fashionable or just like straight up insane um houses for people um is really like fun and neat um and I've been impressed with the way that it doles out um new abilities new items uh, and just like new tactics for decorating like it's. It's a full-fledged, like, real-deal thing, um, the, this happy home paradise. Yeah, I really want... I wish that there was a way to just, like, get to it now. Mm-hmm. Because that sounds very, like, appealing to me. Um, to be able to experience, like, this new part. Yeah. I mean, I did... What, what do you have to do to get to uh, happy... Oh, we were saying maybe even I, get three I, stars? I think you have to get K.K. Slider on your island wow. before this stuff opens up. But I haven't... Here's the thing. Yeah. I have not done any research to check. I right. could be totally wrong. Also, I think it probably wouldn't be too hard to get to three stars, right? Because I need ten. I so I need to get ten villagers. And I need to get three stars. But I can. You can get to three stars by just like throwing junk all over the place. Like it doesn't need to be like yeah, that's true. Real like decorated. But then I have like Junky Island, which I don't. I so I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But I do wish that I could jump straight to the new stuff. Here's what I shouldn't have done. Yeah, is nuked your nine island months in ago. The first place. I yeah. shouldn't have d- nuked my island unless you had a plan to start right then, which I did. But then I was like, "Oh, I just did this." Right, and so I didn't want to do it then either. I don't know. I don't know. It certainly does seem like there should be a way to just when you boot up the game, be like, it knows you have Happy Home Paradise, and just yeah. be like, "Do you just want to do this?" Yeah. Um, because like it's not a different like a fundamentally different experience but like i could see someone like yourself for example not wanting to like mess with all the uh opening stuff again and just get right to the happy home designing yeah so i don't know i i do think i'll eventually get there because it's not like i'm like hating my time with it or anything you know and, and it's yeah. still animal crossing it's still very cute i am finding joy in new villagers that i didn't do before oh i actually so I did my Do you first... know your villagers' names no, now? No, I don't. Okay, I great. did my first n- Nook ticket. Yeah. And on the island was like this like black... I, I think it's Satan. It's like a black ram with red eyes. Yeah. Who's wearing like like uh, like uh, Frollo's cloak from Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, like this is... It's satanic. Anyways, I invited him to my island. Of and course. so I was super chuffed that he's hanging around now. <laughs> he's really nice, but uh, I think he's the devil. Um, let's see if we can figure out who he is. Uh, uh, looking at goats, looking at goats. Wait, oh, maybe he's a ram? Oh, he might be a ram. Okay, all right, hold on. Uh, looking up rams, Animal Crossing. Uh, there we go. We're gonna, Mark, we're gonna figure out who this is. Um, some kind of evil ram. Sheep? There are sheeps. I don't know. Hmm. Well, we'll ca- I I will I will learn names for next time. I promise. That is that is a promise. I'll was learn that, names for next was time. Was that a promise last time too? <laughs> no, I don't, I, no I don't know. I don't think I, I did. Think you refused. I don't think I did. Promise. I tried to shame you into it, but it didn't work. <laughs> um. Uh. All right. Uh, well, Mark, would you like to talk about Kirby Superstar? Yes. So I've also been playing Kirby's Superstar on the SNES Nintendo Switch Online. Um, I'm playing it in anticipation of going on. A uh, friend of the show, Connor McCabe's 
Call Me By Your Game podcast. Um, we'll be recording that soon. And I am really enjoying revisiting Kirby Superstar. It is definitely like the, t- to my mind, it is definitely like the Kirby game. Yeah. And I think in general, it's kind of like the um, benchmark to which Kirby games are compared. I mean, it's the one Kirby game that they remade. It is that like beloved. But I mean, but is it, is it in and of itself not a remake? No, and, I don't and think also, so. This is, see, this is one of the things about Kirby Superstar that I don't understand. Because it it's like a, a collection of games. Yeah. And like two of them are like real games, right? I think there's like four. Okay. That are like real games. And then the other four are mini games. Yeah, okay. Um, which uh, that, that like collection of mini games on top of it is such a like Kirby thing, like Kirby, uh, superstar star, star allies, sorry. Um, is, uh, has, has that sort of like mini game thing. Uh, so you're, you're having a, a fun time. Yeah, with I'm it? having a fun time. Thing? One thing that's interesting, like I, most of my experience with this game is playing it in co-op with mm-hmm. my siblings and this time I'm playing it solo. And so that, that is a different experience for sure, because you can still, um, it's actually not unlike star allies. And here is where I am being forced to reevaluate my experience with Star Allies a little bit. Yes. Because when I played Star Allies, I was like, the allies are too overpowered. In Kirby Superstar, if you're playing with a computer ally, it's the same deal. That yeah. the computer ally will like do all the work. Yeah. The second thing is that I like when I was playing Star Allies, I was like, Kirby's like it's kind of like slow moving. Like even, you know, like it's um kind of deliberately paced and a yes, little bit like much so. too yeah. slow and now i'm going back and playing like the campaign modes of kirby superstar and i'm like this kirby, is a lot like star kirby allies slow too <laughs> yeah, yeah like i think i was looking at kirby superstar through rose-colored glasses and judged uh kirby star ally too harshly but not in a way where i'm like i appreciate star allies more but in a way where i'm like which just brings your estimation I, of everything down. I think I like uh, Kirby Superstar less than I remember. So it's been, yeah, it's been fun to revisit, but just like interesting in yeah. comparison to Star Allies, which really, those were like, um, when I was playing Star Allies, I was like, this is not like Kirby Superstar. Yeah, but like it is so much like Kirby yeah, Superstar. Yeah, exactly. Um, is that an earthquake? No, it's just it's just people rolling a, a an appliance past our window. <laughs> this the the same fans who wanted to see us from before. Sorry, just the the uh, room started to vibrate here, and we had to uh, assess what was happening. Um, we're fine though; everyone's safe. <laughs> um, Mark, I have been playing slash just messing around with a little bit the Legend of Zelda Game and Watch, which uh. Obviously, we're coming on the heels of a, a Game & Watch month. Um, I, I purchased the uh, Super Mario Game & Watch when it came out last year. Um, and uh, this thing seems like a much more deliberate package than the Mario one does. Um, we already knew it was going to have more games on it. It's got uh, Zelda, Zelda 2, and um, Link's Awakening on it. The original Game Boy version, which again, has not been re-released anywhere. Um, but so it... It already has more, and it uh, it has a a version of um, Vermin with Link as the playable character. Um, and the the thing that I really want to talk about uh, is that it's got the the packaging is so much more 
like intentional and useful than the uh, Mario Game & Watch. Um, they both have this really neat sort of aesthetic where it's in like a, a gold box um, with like a little uh, clear plastic slip cover on it that like goes from revealing the like 8-bit games or ha like shows the 8-bit game, you slide it away and you see the Game & Watch game under it, which is really kind of cool and like you know, it manages to look both like retro and new at the same time. Um, but once you get inside, uh, it comes with its own little like black display case with a, a, a Triforce on it. I'm holding it up right now so Mark can see. Um, and when you turn the game on, there's a little Triforce in the back that lights up with like a cool green glowing glow. Um, I don't know. It's just neat. And it's got the, uh, the English and Japanese versions of... Um, all the games, there's also the French and German versions of Link's Awakening. Um, but for the NES games, that means like different uh, sound chips that the uh, Famicom Disk System had access to. So like, I don't know, there's just more here here uh, than there is in the uh, Super Mario Game & Watch. Yeah, the way, I mean, just looking at it, it, it seems like a really cool package. Yes. And it just, it seems very like thoughtfully put together. Like the fact that it has this cardboard slipcase inside that acts as like a stand for the game and watch they have a way to display it like that's cool yeah yeah i i i definitely agree and you know just like the mario game and watch the thing itself is as cool as the box that it, like they're the box that it came in is just as cool as the thing itself um like they're both effective display pieces um so yeah, I'm I'm really happy with this. I don't know how much of any of these Zelda games I'm gonna play on this thing. Obviously, they're all three of them games that I love. Um, so maybe I will. Maybe I'll I'll uh, like kind of hunker down and get into it. But it really makes me wonder. Um, you know, if Nintendo wants fifty dollars from me every year, they can do it by simply releasing another one of these for a different franchise. Mark, what game and watch would you like to see next? Ooh. And now, I know we were just talking about Kirby, but there is a new 3D Kirby game coming out next year. Uh, they could do a Kirby one of these. That could be cool, especially because, like, there was Zelda Game & Watches. There were Mario Game & Watches. Yes. There were never Kirby Game & Watches. So that'd be fun to see them do something completely different like that. Yeah. Also, neither of these uh, modern Game & Watches have Mario or Zelda games on them, which I'm already mad because I want to play those games. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just like, I think it, they, both of the existing ones are, uh, like sort of emulating the, um, the gold series. So it's like gold metal plating on the front and then just like a solid, um, color, like plastic around the outside. And the Mario one was red. The Zelda one is green. The green's a little too bright for me. I kind of wish it was just like a, a touch duller to be like more in line with Zelda. Like this feels a little like slimy to me, like Nickelodeon mm -hmm. slimy to me. Um, but, like, if there was a Kirby one that was, like, pink um, or, like, a Donkey Kong one that was brown, um, like, I feel like there's there's so many, like, cool options that they have yeah. for this sort of thing. Also, you know, you were saying that you don't know how much you're going to play it. It's almost a shame that they are so effective as, like, collectibles mm -hmm. because, you know, we talked about with our Switches, one thing that you know, I really liked about the 3DS or really any of Nintendo's handhelds before is just how, like, they were built like tanks. And yeah. I feel like I could just, like, throw it in a bag and go. Like, that would be a perfect thing to bring on a plane. It's really small. It's really light. Yes. It has all of those, like, classic games on it. It has a good screen, like, a good bright screen. Yeah. But I, like, I know it is meant to be treated like that. 
but I don't I don't think that I could. You know, right? Like I think I'd want one too precious like this, yes, and then one that I could just like do whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be ideal. Um, but you know, it's 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 weird to have a a thing that's like so cool that like you don't want to use it. Uh You know what I mean? Um. But it is very cool. I'm very happy that I have it. Uh, and I can't wait to see what they, they put out next. Um, all right, Mark, are you, those are the new releases. No, that's what we've been playing. Let's get. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. I've got to tell you, Patrick, thinking that there's an earthquake happening. Yeah. And then having to just be somebody like dragging an appliance yeah. across the floor. Uh, it scattered me. It scattered me a little bit. I'm still thinking about it because there was it was going on for like a little bit too long and being like way louder than any <laughs> earthquake I'd been through. So there was like a moment where I was like, "Are we on the, the precipice big of the big one?" Yeah, right. Which would then be the the next like three years of our life, probably. Well, here's something to center us, Patrick. <laughs> this Friday, November nineteenth, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl are released for the Nintendo Switch. Um, pretty exciting. Pretty big releases. Um, Mark, you and I have been, uh, you know, we pick up a lot of the uh, new Pokemon games when they come out, um, especially when they're like the mainline um, games. And, you know, like you picked up uh, Let's Go. I picked up uh, new uh, Pokemon Snap. Um, we both did um, Sword and Shield. Uh, where are you now uh, thinking about the re-release of Diamond and Pearl? For whatever reason, I have no interest in picking it up. Like, yeah. I'm very comfortable just letting this one go past me. I think it's because because it is such a... They're such faithful recreations of uh, Diamond and Pearl. Games that you didn't play. Games that I didn't play. Yeah. And so... And games that I didn't play, I'm, I'll I'll throw myself out there too. But, yeah, so it just so yeah. it just like I, I I don't feel a desire to like discover it for the first time, and I have no nostalgia for it originally. So it's kind of like this one's not for me. I'm waiting for Pokemon Legends, probably. Yeah, I mean that's that that's me too. I do, and this is gonna sound uh like overly dismissive, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I've played a Pokemon game before, <laughs> right? Like I, I know I know roughly what that experience is. Um and I'm never like so into any of the Pokemon games that I play that I'm going to be like scrutinizing the sort of like differences between them, you know? I, I completely agree. And I think that's like our I mean it is for sure our Nintendo Universe blind spot yes, collectively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure that Diamond and Pearl are very different experiences than Sun and Moon, or, you know, like, um, Sword and Shield, or X and Y. But I, it's, it's like me with wine. I don't have the palate, right? Like, unless sure. I'm tasting it back to back, I don't know that I could tell you the, like, subtle nuances. And that's where I'm at with Pokemon, where it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, like, they are probably very different systems and, you know, like, all that kind of stuff. But I experience them so casually that I just, I think a lot of it would be lost on me. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree with that. The other thing on November 19th, Patrick, you have highlighted here Nerf Legends. Yes, mostly out of curiosity because I was like, 
what? I've never seen a Nerf video game before. Right. And I was like, surely this must be a, a brilliant, like, uh, crossover, um, you know, sort of uh, peripheral cash-in, right? Like, right. a really smart There's, like, a big, synergy. like, plastic blaster that yep. you put, you pop your Joy-Con into. Yep, and then you fire, like, a little suction cup darts at your TV. Uh-huh. Um, which would be rad, of course. Um but it it seems like what the game is, it's like a, a little bit of a hero shooter sort of situation where all of the guns are, of course, nerf guns, but you're like not firing nerf things from them. Oh, you're firing just like bullets and bombs. I mean, but... I think I think they're just like green tubes or oh, something. Oh god! So like it's it's sort of splitting the difference between like something that's actually threatening and like I think it's turning them into like laser bolts or whatever. Oh sure. Um, which I guess if a kid gets into Nerf Legends and then is like, oh, we can buy that gun and it shoots like a dart with right. like a suction cup on the end, then I guess that's kind of cool i don't know i i was trying to uh, like wrap my head around like what the um cultural weight of nerf is now i know i mean we i are old no men idea. right yeah i have absolutely no idea <laughs> yeah i do here's my pitch for what nerf legends should be yeah anthropomorphic nerf guns going to school whoa going to school yep <laughs> okay so it's like a, it's a school simulator yeah okay it's like a persona you gotta be in class game, on yeah. time mm-hmm. and then like by night are you like going to the the range and no, no there's nothing there's no second they're part. just anthropomorphic okay. nerf guns um did you have uh nerf guns uh, as a kid? i had some nerf guns yeah so we were never like the uh household that had like the hundred dollar you know like right nerf gatling gun type thing right so we would have like the small handheld ones and yeah. that kind of stuff um but generally not really this could be a 433 at some point so maybe i won't burn through it uh but just like nerf guns what are your experience with them um or like uh squirt guns oh like, yeah a, a lot uh-huh. of a lot of toy guns in uh the, the world we grew up in yeah All right, those are the new releases. Mark, let's close this segment out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, today we are discussing how early is too early to put up the Christmas decorations. Growing up, Patrick, how when would your family put up like holiday decorations? Sunday after Thanksgiving. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. For- like like clockwork. Oh, uh-huh. Um, and it was you know we would always do Thanksgiving at my aunt and uncle's house, um, and you know then like Friday, Saturday would be just like sort of you know whatever, and then it was just widely understood that uh, Sunday was just going to be all about dragging boxes upon boxes of ornaments out to decorate the tree i you know i this year sorry for me growing up we didn't put up we put up the holiday decorations i have an early december birthday Mm -hmm. and so i think it was a conscious choice by my from my parents to be like we want to clearly delineate like your birthday and the holidays yes which i think was like a sweet gesture um and so uh, growing up, it was always like after my birthday, Christmas decorations, like holiday decorations, would start going up. Yeah, but you like Christmas decorations. Yeah, I do. In fact, this year, my husband and I, we 
uh, this is our first year, like, buying a tree or anything. And so we just went for it. It was the weekend after Halloween. After Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> we were at Lowe's. We were looking at grills. I was going to say Thanksgiving. I was like, nope, nope that's we're wrong, not there yet. We're has not, has not happened yet. yet. Yeah. Yeah. It was the weekend after Halloween. We were looking at grills. We were at Lowe's. And we were like, let's just go inside, look at the trees, see if there's one that, like, we got an artificial tree. See if there's one that we'll, you know, want to get in the future. We found one, and we turned to each other, and we were like, if we don't get this now, we will never come back here. Like, we're never getting this tree. Especially because there's so, as an adult, there's just not that much time between... Like uh, the between the end of I keep wanting to say the after Thanksgiving, yeah, but that it is has not, not happened yet. Yes, after the end of Halloween and uh, the Christmas, there's just not a lot of time. Well, and it takes so much like effort and time and money, honestly, to like actually decorate for Christmas. Yeah, uh, in like an effective way that like hey, you don't want to really waste it on the like three weeks between Thanksgiving and, and exactly. Uh, and so Christmas. we're like, hey, and. Especially since it's our first year kind of sure. like going all out. Yeah. We just wanted to go for it. And so um, how early is too early for Christmas? I'm going to say before Halloween. That's that's where I come down sure. on it Sure. Uh, before Halloween, like definitely too soon. <laughs> I, here's – I do feel like there is a – there's a real problem living in Los Angeles of – uh, the whatever cues you expect to get from the weather to like tell you what time of year it is, you got to throw them out the window. Yeah. Cause like they, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit cooler. Sometimes it rains frequently. It does not. We had like three days where it was below 70 and otherwise like this past weekend, it was like 90 degrees. Yeah. Well, so it's second summer. Yeah. Sarah and I were like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll do uh I was talking about your, uh, sort of early deployment of Christmas decorations. And she was like, that sounds fun. Let's do it. And so we like this weekend, we're like, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, And then it was 92 degrees on Sunday. And so we, all we did was get the little ceramic Christmas tree out from under the um, like sink storage here. Uh, So it's out, but nothing else has been done. I have actually really enjoyed. I was not sure how I was going to feel about having the Christmas tree up so early. I've actually really been enjoying it. Do you have you done the thing yet where you just like turn the lights on, just like sit there and look at it? Um, we, yeah, yes, yeah. Okay. I would say we okay, have. Good. Yes. I, I felt like I was being vulnerable there for a second, where I was like, "Is this something everyone <laughs> actually does?" <laughs> what if I was just like Patrick? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I think I think they're probably. I mean, Halloween, before Halloween, anytime in October, definitely too early. Um, I do think that, like, November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, that is too early. But, like, I think it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I am judging it. (laughs) But I I, I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you, I guess. (laughs) Look, these are extenuating circumstances. Will you do it next year? Will you put them up that early next year? That's a great question. I One that I don't. I, I can't. I don't. I can't promise anything. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe I will start putting them up before Halloween. Maybe that's just who I am. No, you can't, Mark. Come on. Do I mean? Um, could you do it where like you put up like Nightmare Before Christmas oh, it's decorations? Oh, like hybrids. Yeah, and then like just slowly strip away skeletons <laughs> and spider webs and stuff until it's just regular old Christmas. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's an interesting idea. That's an interesting idea. What you would want to do is like have some mechanism where you could just pull all the Halloween stuff. Like yeah, down, no, that's right. Like you know, like when you're pulling a tablecloth out from under, like a bunch yeah, of like dishes, a magic like a trick. Magic that's trick. right. That's what I would want, but for my house. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, very good. We were accompanied today by... I, it's it's interesting for us to like run out of steam on one of these topics, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like we did there. We we didn't. We were done. Well, we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, we were accompanied today by cellist uh, Timotheus Petrin and pianist uh, George Jeanyu Few. All right, Mark. Let's get into the news. Patrick, Mark. I am happy to report yes. that the world seemingly mm-hmm. has a bad case of Metroid fever. Oh, Metroid Game & Watch. That's what we need. <laughs> In the U.S., oh. the NPD Group reports that Metroid Dread had the highest launch month sales by revenue of any Metroid game ever. That's pretty good. Uh, and uh, is this the first metroid game to sell at 60 dollars? no probably super metroid sold uh, over over for over 60 dollars, right pro- oh yeah probably i actually have no idea but yeah the v- game market would be so different yeah then great point that um i guess like the closest comparison is to metroid prime which was the previous record holder which sold at 50 dollars. yeah right right um, G- gamecube and then we were all- also 50 dollars, and so uh, dollar sales for Metroid Dread nearly doubled those of Metroid Ooh. Prime. And then later, Nintendo actually came out and said how many copies were sold. Nintendo of, Pres- Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser told The Verge in an interview that in the U.S., Metroid Dread sold 854,000 copies in October. That includes digital sales. That is a lot of Metroid Dread just in the U.S. Yeah, and and like it's important to have that like just in the U.S. Uh, part of that in your mind because like you know at at first I'm like not a million we're we're not even getting to a million here Kirby sells a million, um but we're saying just the U.S. Yep, that's yeah. right. So um, I mean that's that's great. I think in Japan it is close to being like the best selling Metroid game of all time. Yeah. Um, Metroid is a very like interesting series in Nintendo's library because it is has niche popularity yes right like the games have outside of like the original metroid and maybe super metroid and the prime the first prime game have never really sold all that well yeah well i mean it's interesting to just like think about what they are like the space that they occupy because they're like in some ways a little bit too mature in tone for like the general nintendo audience nintendo like but also like so still Nintendo-y mm-hmm. for the like general video game audience. So like, I don't know. It's it f- sits perfectly in in my comfort zone. But I could see where uh, that's not everyone's. You know? Yeah. So I'm very happy to see its success so so far. It also makes me feel like Metroid Prime Four is really primed to do even better. Right. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like Prime has its own cultural cachet right right um and prime four has been like actively talked about for way longer like i i know like dread we'd known about dread for 17 years um but like that was a a single flare that went up one time and we were like what is that i want to know more about it and then it went away um and you know everyone presumed gone but metroid prime four has been this sort of like constant churn of like when is this coming here? They're working on something. Oh, they scrapped it all so they could start again. And Retro's coming back to do it. Like all there's, there's the narrative there is so compelling. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like the appetite is there for it. If it's good, uh, I think it definitely has a chance to sell even better than yeah. Dread. Oh man, that is such a good point though. We've had, we've had two, 
2D Metroid games revealed and released. Yeah. In the amount of time that we know about Metroid Dread Prime 4. Yeah, wow, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do, one thing I do worry about with uh, the release of Dread, or of uh, Prime 4, is that that sort of, like, scale and, like, that sort of narrowing that I was talking about is even more, like, accentuated with the Prime series, right? That Because like, it has, like, that first-person adventure element? Yeah, so, like, I wonder if the audience for Metroid Prime is just on different hardware. I, or, like, don't have the patience to play that kind of game on the Switch. I I don't think that's true. Just because we've seen success of third parties yeah. on Switch playing, you know, with games like like Bethesda, with their games like Doom and Doom Eternal and Wolfenstein, right? Like, uh, I think the audience is definitely there. And I think that Metroid um, has... I also think that, like, Right, this sort of like first person adventure game. I think what I'm trying to say is our definition of like games has broadened so much in the 20 years since the original Metroid Prime. So, like, uh, dual analog shooters is no are no longer novel, right? Right, in the way that, um, or are are no longer like strictly action based shooters, right? And not strictly like the domain of PlayStation or Xbox, totally. Um, or PC, which was the case for a long time. And I think people are just more open to different types of like gaming experiences. I I also I think we don't really have a good understanding of what Metroid we have no understanding what Metroid Prime 4 is going to be, yeah, right? Is it going to be a uh dual analog shooter? We've never had one of those, right? uh, Right, on from a Metroid game before. before and so why would they start now yeah but also uh why wouldn't they adopt the like the sort of like modern nice i mean it's knowing that it's retro and not like another nintendo studio um makes me i don't know yeah like it just it just blows the whole thing wide open like it it could be it could be almost literally anything yeah but yes super excited that metroid dread has seemingly found such success i'm I can't imagine that we won't get another 2D Metroid much sooner than like the 17 years we waited for Metroid Dread. Yeah, I I would hope so. What games would you want to see on that uh, Metroid Game and Watch? Ooh, um, it's tough because so far they've just been NES and Game Boy games. Yeah, but what I really want to see is Fusion and uh, right. Uh, zero mission. Zero mission. But you need you would need the L and R buttons, and I feel like that kind of breaks the Game and Watch uh form factor. Yeah, that's true. And what would the Game and Watch game be that suddenly has Samus in it? <laughs> Probably Donkey Kong Three. <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly, that's great. Yeah, Samus is on one side, Mother Brain is on the other, <laughs> and you're, you're shooting little Metroids, Metroids back, back to each other. Yeah, yep. Mark, you nailed it. I am, however, sad to report it is time once again for us to discuss Joy-Con Drift. Let's do it! Uh, Joy-Con Drift, of course, is where the analog sticks on a Joy-Con controller register input even when you aren't doing anything. I've had a pair of Joy-Cons succumb to Joy-Con Drift when Uh, I was playing Super Mario Sunshine. Mm -hmm. Mario would do a little scoot without me doing anything. Yep, I also have a pair of Joy-Con that uh, succumb to Joy-Con Drift. Um, and I put them away for a very long time because I was like, uh, you know, I got new ones. It was like, these are, are broken, even though it was just the one that was uh, drifting. Same. Uh, and not like all the time drifting, but like every now and then after I moved, it wouldn't like kind of snap back to center. Um, 
And I pulled them back out when we were playing uh, Super Mario Party um, not that long ago and, like, didn't notice a, a, a problem with them. Oh, nice. So, I don't know. Um, in the same interview where we got the Metroid Dread sales, Doug Bowser was asked about Joy-Con Drift, and Bowser said, quote, as we've gone through the first five and a half years of the Nintendo Switch, <laughs> sidebar, Jesus. oh Jesus. my gosh, oh my god, <laughs> uh, we're observed... We've observed gameplay. We've observed as people have returned units, how they've worn, and we've been making continuous improvements overall to the Joy-Con, including the analog stick. This latest version, Nintendo Switch OLED, has the same updated analog stick that's now available in the original Nintendo Switch and the Nintendo Switch Lite, end quote. So is this the, like, little piece of whatever that we wrote, uh, that we talked about uh, months ago? Or, like, what what exactly... I don't think because people are opening these things up and like seeing them and uh, like it's obviously still a problem in some respects. Uh We don't hear about it as much, Um, but like yeah, they've never like come out and said like whatever issue there was doesn't exist anymore. And I understand that's like a liability thing, but yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I feel like um, it stinks that it happens. I mean, we had a listener recently, right? Yeah. send her is in yes to get repaired and she had a overall positive experience like it didn't take that long or anything yeah probably saved a ton of money over buying new ones i am always shocked at how expensive 80 bucks joy con are yeah um so yeah but it feels like this is basically the final word like nintendo has said this in one form or another uh i think in interviews around the uh launch of the switch oled um, some of the hardware engineers from Japan said something very similarly that they are always, you know, like con- they've been continually tinkering with it. So it feels like this is, you know, like the final word where Nintendo will repair yours. And at this point, all the new ones are, you know, as good as they're going to get. Well, or that they will continue to. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right, continue right. to tinker. Right. Uh, and especially like as they launch like new versions of of. I, I have to imagine a, 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 the next Switch will have, you know, a, a new generation of uh, Joy-Con as well. We, I mean, we're not quite there yet, right? Five and a half years is deep into a Nintendo life cycle. And for a lot of uh, Nintendo hardware, kind of the end of it, like the Super Nintendo is like a, a five-year lifespan. Uh, the Wii U obviously was way shorter than that. Um, but even the Wii at its like sort of longest is like seven seven years plus or like just about seven years um so like we're we're coming up well it's funny you say that thank you because um last so last week we talked about nintendo's latest financial results and then uh th- we kind of talked about the stuff that was in the main presentation following the main presentation there was also a Q&A session with investors and nintendo leadership so there were, are some tidbits that when the english translation of that was released came out of that in one of them, the company was asked about the next generation of hardware, and Nintendo President Shintaro Furukawa reiterated that they don't have anything to announce right now, so not right. surprising, but that they consider the Switch to be at the midpoint of its life cycle. And this is something that Nintendo has been saying, even when the Switch was very new, yeah. that they intended for this to be like an extended life cycle. Much, much longer than you're right like most other nintendo like home consoles have had that like five five and a half year life cycle the switch is in such a crazy place because it, like it the momentum has not stopped 
Right. They right. continue to and like they they cannot meet demand. Right. They're having trouble again this year. Like, if you see a Nintendo Switch and you are in the market for one, buy the Nintendo Switch that you see. Right. Because they're not able to right. manufacture enough to meet demand. It's just crazy. It is. It's it's so weird. But yeah. also, how could it doesn't feel like technologically the Switch can hold out for another five and a half years, an eleven year right console cycle. Right. I mean that that seems outrageous. But I mean by then we'll be well. Let's see. So uh, another five and a half years. That could be time for a refresh on the uh, PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X. Right. right? Like that. That will be time for a PlayStation Six. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think all of it, all of the like console generation, like moving to the next one, will be. Uh, affected by where we are now with uh, chip shortages and um, uh, just hardware shortages. Um, yeah, the PlayStation 5 and a- Xbox Series X um, are like super powerful and make the Switch feel kind of dull by comparison, just in terms of like physically what it can do. Um, but there just aren't that many of them out there, like just because they can't make them. I know. So like, and even where we are over a year into PlayStation Five and Series X, um, and like they're still, they're harder to get even than the Switches. Um, and I don't, there's no sign that that's going to let up uh, anytime soon. You know, we we've seen um, delays for both the uh, uh, the Playdate that like handheld with a, the the crank and the analog pocket. Um, just and you know we've talked about and this. the steam deck and the steam, steam deck, deck yeah um all of that stuff uh and it's all it all goes back to the same thing that like there is a problem getting uh the um the the chips to actually make these things work and like all the supply straight uh supply chain constraints converge on all the products we want the most and like keep making yeah i i just i just don't know when that's ever gonna no, change no the the playdate one was so crazy because in the blog post explaining it they were talking about how like you know they put in an order for the chips that they intended to use yeah and the people were like great we can get that to you in 2024 right and so they had to rewrite rewrite you know like their software to work on other chips that were available yeah like and that's what tesla has been doing just on the fly is writing you know like rewriting their um software so that way they can get chips that are available it it is it i i don't know enough about it is is the answer like oh when in the next next generation they're moving to like a different wafer size or something and so that you know has like the inventory like i don't have any idea but if you're if you are nintendo or you know microsoft or sony and you're thinking about what comes next like it seems very difficult to plan for yeah i mean and this may be actually a place where um nintendo thrives because like if anyone has demonstrated their ability to like put out high quality really good looking experiences on inferior hardware just from a and i i love my switch i i, I don't mean to call it inferior hardware but like it's just less powerful yeah uh than the uh than its competition um even from the last generation uh it's Nintendo, right? Like they they can put out they can continue to put out great games on hardware that just gets older and creakier um and not really show that creakiness. Also, it does make me wonder, you know, Nintendo keeps saying the Switch is at the middle of its life cycle, which to me seems insane. But middle I think just means not the end. The end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Probably not another five and a half years. But also like Maybe they do intend to like uh, st- 
change the trajectory like what am i trying to say uh uh, introduce a new like switch yeah i hate to talk about it <laughs> but a new like more powerful switch keep the old one around and just kind of you know like um divert continue to diversify the switch lineup without necessarily like doing a hard reset yeah well and i mean i i think there are a number of different ways that they can um like explore and exploit their back catalog and just like their nostalgia on top of like you know making new games for the switch and on top of the other um you know like entertainment things that we we've talked about i i think the game and watch is a great example of that um i you know these things don't you know can't really do numbers for them i'm sure but um it's a neat thing that they are making right like yeah so i i, I don't know i i, I feel like uh predicting nintendo has always been a fool's errand we try to do it maybe like three or four times a year we're always right um but you know that's uh it, it's it's a great big who knows and that's one of the things that i like about this company totally some other tidbits from that uh financial q a miyamoto was asked oh be forewarned a lot of this is classic not news not news like i think rarely at these investor things is news ever really broken no they're too well trained yeah yeah it's all kind of um you know uh fancy corporate talk to say nothing how but that's that, not gonna stop me just, from talking about it right that now. fancy corporate talk <laughs> miyamoto was asked about visual content based on nintendo properties other than mario to which he- is there a translation issue here because we've encountered visual content in these things before i think that this is another like corporate speak because they don't want to brand it like movies and tv right okay it's it's visual content okay to keep their bases wide open um that's my guess quote i have great expectations for the super mario cg animated film for decades our approach has been to bring smiles to consumers by creating each product with great care with visual content as well, we want to continue to create content that brings smiles to generations of consumers around the world. We recently announced the film release date, uh, speaking, he's talking about the Super Mario movie, because production is getting closer to completion. Going forward, we want to actively utilize other IP as well. With visual content, people can experience Nintendo IP in a variety of places, so I think it's good to have a lot of content that is accessible for people who do not have a dedicated game device. However, we want to continue to make each title with care, so I cannot talk about a specific number. We want to work diligently to build upon a to build up a strong offering. Uh, strong offering. It sounds like he's talking about strong in terms of numbers. I guess also quality, but like, and that I guess that's why he's saying he can't put a a, a pin on any kind of like right we're numbers. Not trying right to make ten movies, or we're not trying to like yeah, right. Yeah. They're not trying to launch a like Nintendo Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, which please don't do that, please, <laughs> please. I don't, I don't want to go to these movies, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have to. We'll have to talk about them on the show, yep. Mark. Um, yeah. I mean, what 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 is your takeaway from this? Um, Other than he's not really saying anything. Uh, you know, I feel like my takeaway is that it is w- a couple of weeks ago, there was a rumor or leak or whatever you want to call it that Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong will be right. would be spun off from the Mario movie into his own film or TV series or something. And um, this that made sense to me. I Miyamoto's obviously not like confirming that or speaking directly to that rumor. 
but I do think it makes sense when he's saying like, hey, we want to actively utilize other IP as well, um, that those sorts of things would spin out of each other. Yeah, it's so weird because like there was a Donkey Kong Country TV series. There was a Super Mario Brothers movie and a Super Mario Brothers TV show. And like this feels different, right? Like the uh, like main front facing Nintendo is more involved in like, you know, showing it off at their presentations and stuff like that. Um, but like, I don't know if that makes me feel any better about it or worse or the same. Yeah. I, I really feel like with the Mario movie, I, I do think that there's a lot. Actually, I take that back. I was going to say, I feel like there's a lot riding on it, but I don't. Yeah, probably not. But I don't know that that's true. I think it could be bad and something in the future could be good. Like, I don't yeah, think I agree. that however the Mario movie turns out is a necessarily like an indicator of what um, Nintendo will, what like the quality will be would be going forward. But I continue to dread the release of that. Yeah, like me too. I, I'm not me looking too. forward to it. Yep. Muto Moto was also asked about the differences between 3D and 2D Mario, and he said this quote: "As for the difference between 2D and 3D Mario, <laughs> let me explain by describing the background for the development of the Wii game New Super Mario Brothers Wii, which was released in 2009. At the time, it felt like each time we created a new installment in the Super Mario series, which by then had expanded into 3D." it became more complicated. After the release of Super Mario Galaxy in 2007, the goal was to develop a more accessible 3D Super Mario game, and the result was New Super Mario Bros. Wii, a basic side-scrolling Super Mario game that even new players could play easily. That later led to the release of the even simpler Super Mario Run game, a mobile application released in 2016. When we develop software, we strive to incorporate new elements, but at the same time, we want to make it easy for even first-time players to have fun. Recently, people of all generations have been enjoying the 3D Mario game Super Mario Odyssey, released in 2017. So for 3D Mario going forward, we want to try to expand further in new ways. This is Super Mario 3D World Erasure, but fine. <laughs> that game sold the the new Super Mario Brothers, uh, not new Super Mario Brothers, what am I trying to say? Super Mario 3D World. Yes, has yes. sold sold really well on Switch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's another one where it's like, that's a lot of words. We try to do new things, but we don't want to make anything that's too <laughs> new and scary. And the difference between developing the new ones in 3D and the new ones in 2D is that uh, we started work on one in 3D and it ended up in 2D. It's a very it's it's very muddled. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think. Why would someone ask him what's the difference between 3D and, and 2D? Or like, if it's anything, what like, are their expectations? If it's anything like investor meetings in the U.S., like anybody can ask anything, and they are sometimes a real mess. Sure, sure. So, sure. I've been to Comic Con. I get it. In an interview with Axios, the Pokemon Company director of consumer marketing, J.C. Smith, commented on the, shall we say, angry feedback the developers of the Pokemon games sometimes get saying, quote, we have a group of creators and professionals working at the Pokemon company that have been through a lot, seen, heard, a lot. They have thicker skin than many people do because they've heard it. That's sad. It is sad. He mentions th that the developers have a vision for their games, and, quote, it's a matter of finding that delicate balance, meaning between, you know, like, their vision for the game and the fan feedback. Um quote but we try to f focus on making the core accessible to everyone yeah i mean i 
yeah and i think that's really the it's kind of like the the miyamoto's uh quote about mario right that like obviously they're trying to do new stuff in every pokemon game but not betray what like the pokemon faithful want uh, but also not uh alienate new people who you know could get Pokemon is such a series out of time, you know, Mm -hmm. like even when it came around, it was antiquated and then like stayed on handheld hardware for so long and was just like repeating the same like, you know, Dragon Quest one style gameplay, uh, but with like characters that you swap out um, that like, I don't know, it feels out of time. And I know that there is a, you know, vocal contingent of fans that want it to be a game of the future um, and like. It, it's just never going to be that. Yeah. It, it just, I am very sympathetic to the developers of Pokemon because it yeah, same. feels like a very no win scenario. But everyone's going to love this uh, Legends Arceus, right? <laughs> I doubt that that it will be true. <laughs> There's an official Twitch app on the Switch now. It hey. dropped last week and joins Hulu, YouTube, and Funimation in the US as streaming apps on Switch. Uh, well, I mean,. I guess better late than never. Uh, it's a little strange that the other just like main streamers aren't on there. Um, but I guess I get it. Like if you're going to watch something in handheld mode, why don't you just watch it on your phone? Um, and if you're going to watch something on the TV, why not watch it on any of the other things that are hooked up to your TV? I also don't have any idea what like the certification process is sure. like. I've years ago at this point, way before the switch was revealed when Nintendo was first talking about, you know, like their goals in unifying development between um, handhelds and home consoles. There were talks, rumors, something that like Android was the base for. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't think that turned out to be the case, but I have no idea what like developing an app for Switch is like. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and I guess like as there's. In, for a lot of those uh, apps, there's like a way to like monetize within the app itself, like you know, like Amazon Prime for example, or Prime Video. Um, and so I wonder if like Nintendo just doesn't want that to be part of their like a, a storefront that they don't control. Although I guess there's there's DLC in like every game, right? And like I mean, Hulu and Funimation are on here, and you have to have a subscription. Yeah, for that that's a good and, point. But which you must have to purchase outside of. So yeah, I don't know. It is interesting that like Netflix never made the jump or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. According to app tracking firm Sensor Tower, Pik- Pikmin Bloom has been downloaded over 2 million times since launch. Almost 900,000 of those downloads are from Japan, followed Jeez. by the US and the UK in third. 900,000 people in Japan downloaded. That's more than uh, copies of Metroid Dread were sold in the United States. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think Pikmin, the Pikmin 3 Deluxe was is like now the best-selling Pikmin game. I think that there is, um, just like with Metroid Dread, you know, Prime in the Pump for Metroid Prime 4, I think that whenever, whatever happens next with Pikmin, I think it's going to be big. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I, I feel like Pikmin is still one of those that hasn't totally punched through over here. And maybe it does take like the next good big game. And I guess I should say big is in like how everything's, how a lot of games have been getting the switch bump. Yeah. I think Pikmin is in line for the switch bump. If yeah. We do get yeah. a, a new Pikmin game there. And finally, new in-game events in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate are coming to an end starting December, no, November 19th. 
prior activities will start being recycled on the spirit board and yeah. other places. Um, so those are like the the tournaments mm-hmm. and also the things that are like this is uh, everyone who wears glasses. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I mean I guess that's probably fine, right? Because they they did so many of them. There was like a new one almost every month, right? Yeah, we got a and for a lot of years too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just like uh. I don't know it, it's a little bit sad to see like the development cycle for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate come to an end uh because it has been such a like live game right with like new characters always to look forward to um and then just this sort of like ongoing churn of spirit board events but like it had to end sometime yeah but one of the rare instances of like a Nintendo game feeling like one of those games as a service. Yeah. Like more like a Fortnite or um another one of those and a third example. But you know what right. I mean? Like mm-hmm. that you do I, I agree with you that like Smash felt so alive in a way that the other that Nintendo generally like doesn't treat their franchises that way or their games that way. We don't have new you have new cups in or new tours in like Mario Kart Tour all the time because that's like a mobile service game but like mario kart 8 deluxe not they have chosen to not treat it that way yeah but i mean we do see a little bit of that in mario tennis aces and in uh, mario golf the name of which i can't remember but but even that feels different where it's like like you're usually you get like one year yeah of updates yeah you know every once in a while and then they set it aside and they're like okay we're done which is fine it's you know, like, I don't expect them to keep Mario Tennis Aces, like, putting in new players, all the new characters all right, the time. Right, right, But Smash just felt very different. And yeah. so it, I, I I agree with you that it does feel weird kind of to have it go into a little, like, hibernation. Yeah. Well, so Smash also seemed complete when it was originally launched, mm-hmm. right? Like, it was all of the Smash that you ever needed. Um, and then they kept giving you stuff. Whereas, uh, like, Tennis and Golf were both games that, like, didn't have a, a ton of like options or characters or courses um and all of that filled out slash for golf is still filling out yeah. o- over time um so like it, it's interesting like uh i didn't pick up mario golf uh when it came out sort of just because like i wasn't like in the mood for that um but if i pick it up a couple months from now uh perhaps when it's on sale or something uh, i will be getting a fuller more complete game um, and not as something that they're trying to sell uh, DLC, just it is, it just has more stuff in it. Yeah, it's just such an interesting reminder of how differently Nintendo structures so their development teams versus yeah. like other companies. Because I could see Smash just going on forever, right? Like you would just have a team dedicated to creating spirit boards and like all right. that kind of stuff. Right. But they choose not to. They're very like, it's very discreet where it's like, and now we are finished development of that because that team is going to focus do something on, else. Do something yeah. else. Well, and that that is how we get like weird Nintendo stuff mm-hmm. and like the next. You know, I when when we were doing uh, the our Happy Home Paradise uh, last week, I brought up a Kid Icarus Uprising character, um, and like that's just a reminder. Like, you can take a break from Smash to do something like totally outrageous and out there, like reviving a twenty-year-old franchise and turning it into like a self-aware uh flying shooter action uh comedy game like i don't even know um it's one of the things that i will always value about nintendo uh all right mark let's get out of the news 
that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Man, Mark, I'm so glad that wasn't an earthquake. Aren't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but at least I would have died doing what I love. <laughs> what? Scrambling to get out my <laughs> the window of that's our studio? Right. Uh, remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter. Um, we appreciate it when you share us wherever you share us. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. There's also a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire. <laughs>